Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. Now for those of you who aren't quite used to me doing series, that we usually take things in chronological order. Because of that, that often means that we will in order to hit things in chronological order, that means that sometimes we'll jump books. So instead of just following 1 Kings line upon line, we'll do like we did this morning and hit the Song of Solomon. We hit some before, some Psalms that David had wrote for the occasion to Solomon. And so from time to time, we'll bounce around and uh, to try to get a context, to try to get a feel, to try to put some of these other things within its historical context. In addition to bouncing around from passage to passage, sometimes we'll do like we'll do tonight and do a character study. We understand that the people (laughs) don't live in a bubble by themselves, that there has to be a supporting cast. There has to be people around them, and these people are going to help dictate things in their life. Maybe they'll put something in that main character's life that they have to overcome, that they have to deal with. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's a solution. Maybe it's a lesson they learn. And we're going to find that now as King Solomon is squarely on the throne, and one of the first things he has to do as king is do a little bit of house cleaning. And we're going to see that there are several people that have to be lined up. We've already seen that he's dealt with Adonijah, that Adonijah was Solomon's brother, who tried to take the kingdom from Solomon while David was still alive before Solomon could be pronounced king. And that did not work. Well, Adonijah had some co-conspirators. And even though these names might not be familiar to an average person who's not familiar with the Bible, that as we examine these characters, we find out that they have a rich backstory that's Uh, deeply entwined with David and his family and thus Solomon. And so in order to understand why these drastic measures are being taken, we also have to understand a little bit more about who these people are and the context of these people. And so if you don't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 2. And notice with me if you don't mind, we're going to see starting at verse number 26. 1 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 26, the Bible says this, and unto Abathar, the priest said the king, get thee to Ananoth unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death, but I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust out Abathar from being priest unto the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning the house of Eli in 
Shiloh. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you first of all mark a name of the person that we're doing a character study on today in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 2. The book of 1 Kings chapter number 2, and if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 27, notice the name Abathar. Abathar. <laughs> and notice what Solomon did in verse 27, thrust out Abathar from being priest. Thrust out Abathar from being priest. And with this, we're going to do a character study on Abathar with this idea, thrust out from being priest. Thrust out from being priest. And with this, we're going to do a character study on Abathar and see his history and what brought him to this place of judgment where he's now being kicked out as the office of high priest. What caused Solomon to do this action? Notice, if you don't mind, <laughs> this Abathar. And let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're thankful for the victories that you've been showing us, victories that you've been doing, miracles that you've been producing, and we're looking forward to more of the same. We thank you for the visitors that have been coming as of late, and we're asking that you would continue to draw them close to you, and that they would be shown what you work, you would have them to do, and help them to go step by step to what you designed for them to do. As for us tonight, we're asking that you would open up the Bible in a special way that we could have great discernment of a character study to learn from this person's life and that we could may apply these things unto ourselves and learn more about you because of them. For me, Lord, I know that once again, I'm having a little bit of health issues with uh, sinus <laughs> stuff. But Lord, I'm thankful that we could depend upon you and your grace even for this, that there would be no distractions, nothing hindering your word going forth, that the best I know how I surrender my health, my mind, my, my lips, my tongue, my throat, give them all to you, and that you could do your own work as you fill me with your spirit, and that you just get glory to your own name. Settle my own mind down now that I could be dependent upon you we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We know that there are different ways to study the Bible. We could study the Bible by books, which is something I love to do, to take the Bible and go precept to precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, learning as we go through an entire book of the Bible to learn the great concept of it. You could study the Bible by its great themes, and there are great themes that are woven throughout the Bible, whether it's the golden uh, strand of Christ's second coming or the scarlet thread of Christ's redemption. Or we could study things by topics, by studying the topic of hell, studying the topic of angels, studying the topic of the millennial kingdom. We could study the Bible by its words. And I love word studies, that God chose words important and words are very important. God chose them for a reason and we could learn from them. Another study, and one of my favorites, is character studies. To be able to take someone's life, remember everybody's life teaches a message including yours. Everyone's life teaches a message. Some people are good examples. Some people are bad examples. But there's something we could learn from every person's life. And so to do a character study, to examine someone's life as a whole, we could learn from their life and make it application. So if you don't mind, let's learn about Abathar. We could see the end of his life here where Solomon is now king and he kicks him out from being high priest. 
but let's learn a little bit more about his life and let's place it in context. First of all, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. So that's two books back. So 1 Kings, 2 Kings, or 1 Kings, 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel in chapter number 22. 1 Samuel chapter number 22. If you're familiar with the Bible, we know that in 1 Samuel, Solomon is king. David is running for his life. And David, as he's running from his life, makes a pit stop at the city of Nob, where there's the high priest. David stops in really quick, asks if he could get any help, get some bread, gets Goliath's sword, and then he takes off. Well, when he takes off, there happens to be a spy in the mist. The first thing I'd like to show you in the context of Abathar's life is that his family is murdered. His family is murdered. Notice with me 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel 22, and let's pick it up mid-story in verse number 6. 1 Samuel 22 in verse 6. When Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him, now Saul abode at Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you conspired against me, that there is none that showeth me my son hath made league with the son of Jesse, for there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Himelech, the son of Atub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king set to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Atuab, and all of his father's house and the priests that were at Noab. And they came, all of them, to the king. And Saul said, Hear now the son of Atuab. And he said, answered, Here am I, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why hast thou conspired against me, thou the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he shall rise up against me, to lie in wait, as it was this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which the king's son-in-law goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all of this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew when he fled, and did not show it to me. 
But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. Now let's catch up on the story. David has run from Saul and is run for his life. He makes his pit stop of Ahimelech. Why he goes there, Ahimelech says, oh, it's David. Everyone knows David. What can I do for him? Well, you know, I was just wondering if there's anything to eat. Me and my boys, we've traveled a little bit. We haven't had time to eat. And he says, I don't have anything but the leftover showbread that's left over for the priest. I guess we could let you have it as long as you're clean. David says, hey, we're clean. Okay, sure. Here you go. Hey, do you have any weapons here? Hey, we happen to have the sword of Goliath. Remember the sword that you used to cut off Goliath? We still got that thing. Hey, man, that's a great sword. Let me have it. So he loads them up, takes off. Meanwhile, they have this idiomite, a spy, who's just been observing the whole thing. So meanwhile, Saul's back at Ramah having a fit. He's sitting under a thing and he's yelling at his servants. Which one of you guys didn't tell me that my own son was conspiring with David? How come none of you caught this? How come none of you told me about it? He's having a fit and Saul is upset. And he says, which one of you? Come on, tell me what happened. And Doeg says, hey, I know where David is. David went over to the priest and guess what the priest asked of God, meaning that they had the idea that David had a meeting with Ahimelech and they went and asked God how God could help David overthrow Saul. That's not what happened, but that's what was reported. And so Doeg says, yeah, yeah, that's where he was at. So Saul grabs his troops, comes, drags the high priest out and said, listen here, you conspired against me. I thought you were on my side. Now you conspired against me. You helped David out. You inquired of the Lord. Now Ahimelech doesn't know anything that's gone on. He goes and says, but David's your most faithful servant. Everybody knows that David's honorable. He's your most, he's your son-in-law. So when he shows up, I don't think anything different. I don't know that he's having problems with you. He just shows up. I think by helping him, I'm helping you. And I didn't ask God of anything. He just showed up. We helped him out and he took off. And Saul says, you're going to die. Then he looks to his soldiers. All right, who's going to kill the high priest? The soldiers are all of a sudden very interested in their shoes. Nobody wants to go kill the man of God. Nobody wants to kill the preacher. Nobody wants to kill the high priest. Well, there's one guy. Notice if you don't mind what happens. Verse number 18. And the king said to Doag, turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doag the Edomite turned and fell upon the priest. And slew on that day four score and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. Now notice this. He killed four score. Remember a score is 20. So four times 20 is 85. He went and murdered 85 priests. They didn't do anything. Just Saul's having a bad day and he took it out on them. And he happens to have an Edomite. By the way, if you're not familiar with Bible history, an Edomite is not a Hebrew person. The Edomites come from the tribe of Ishmael, which always had a natural rivalry with the children of Israel. Hey, you want me to kill my enemies? Absolutely. Let's do this. And so he did. Verse 19, and Nob the city of the priests smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and suckling, oxen and ashes, sheep and with the edge of the sword. So notice he gets in a killing spree and he just doesn't stop with the priest. He goes into town and starts killing everyone he can get a hold of. It doesn't matter if they're a baby. It doesn't matter if they're women. He starts killing even cattle. I mean, he just starts getting in a blood rage and starts killing everything. 
Verse 20, and one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Atuab, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said to Abathar, I knew it on that day when Doag the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul. And I occasioned the death of the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me and fear not, for he that seeketh thy life seeketh Seeketh my life, seeketh thy life, but with thou, thou shalt be in a safeguard. So after Abathar's whole family is slaughtered, he said, well, it's probably not good to go side with Saul. He goes to find David. David <laughs> finds him and he tell, uh, Abathar tells everything that happened. Hey, this guy started killing everyone. David feels guilty. He says, man, I, as soon as I arrived there, I knew that this guy was going to be trouble. He says, I'm so sorry. I, it's my fault that everyone's dead. No, it's Saul's fault. But David's feeling guilty and says, listen, the guy who's after you is also after me. So you stay with me and I'll give you protection. So now we're introduced to Abathar, who is now technically high priest by um, his father dying. And the high priest is now associated with David because definitely they don't want to go hang out with Saul right now. So this is how Abathar enters the picture. He enters the picture by his whole family being murdered. And so he gets associated with David and immediately starts hanging out with David. So as we go on, what else happens? Well, as we continue to go on, <laughs> we see that his rival served in Israel. What's going to happen is that Saul is going to be defeated. Saul is going to die in a campaign against the Philistines. When he dies, David is the one to go to the throne. But there's a little bit of a hiccup because one of Saul's son, Ishobeth, is going to also claim the throne. So what's going to happen for seven years, you're going to have David ruling in Judah. And you're going to have Ishbosheth, who's ruling in the northern kingdom. David is going to have Abathar who acting as the high priest. However, Ishbosheth is going to install another person by the name of Zadok as high priest. And so you now have two high priests, one for each part of the kingdom. When David finally rules and um, <coughs> Ishbosheth is defeated uh, by a different thing. We'll talk about that later on in a different message. That the kingdom is now united. The problem is now you have a political problem is that the people of north already is starting to have a little bit of an issue with the people of the south. So the people up north have already adopted a high priest by the name of Zadok. Well, Zadok's not a bad guy and he's trying to do what's right. So what David does to try to uh, ease political religious ties is he allows Zadok to continue as high priest. So what we have at this time is a dual high priest, co-high priest, which is abnormal. It's not something that was listed. Um, Zadok was actually part of the lineage of Aaron, but he was not part of this lineage that had come down during David's time. So you have Zadok acting as high priest. You got Abathar as high priest. But something that you see is that Zadok proved himself. And through the rest of David's reign, Zadok is always mentioned first before Abathar. And what you're having is some of the seeds of jealousy starting to get into Abathar. Because think about this. 
you're already going through a trauma and whether you, how great you think you can handle things to watch your whole family and friends being murdered will affect you. And you can imagine there's a little bit of bitterness for that. That would be understandable. Now we're thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ that allows us to forgive people even in horrible circumstances. But we can all relate that yes, there would be very easy to have bitterness. And even if there wasn't, it's still going to affect you. Do you think that he definitely didn't like Edomites after that? Do you think that that bitterness actually kept him from, from getting closer to God because it quenched the spirit? Ephesians chapter 4, absolutely. And so whereas he was able to do his job competently, Zadok was the one who was closer to the Lord. And because of that, he is listed before in all the listings. Now, Abathar, who, by the way, we're, we're just understanding him. He could have had the bitterness dealt with, but it's understandable there's some bitterness. And because he already has some bitterness, now he's starting to say, listen, this guy's taking my job. My dad died as the high priest. I should have been high priest. But now I got to share the duties with this guy. And everyone likes him better than me. And he shouldn't be high priest. And you know what? Everyone thinks he does a better job than me. But I'm supposed to be the high priest. Could you understand that this is starting to develop a little bit? And it starts off as a little seed. The book of Ephesians or Hebrews says it is a root of bitterness. It may not have been apparent because at the very beginning, they're in the trenches together. Zadok and Abathar. They're both trying to serve David. And David's a good guy. They don't have anything against David. They're both trying to do their best. But that root is starting to take ground. And it's always that little chafing. Why is this guy have my role? My dad died for this role. Why should he have it? Could you understand a little bit from his background what's going on? That it's just starting to grow a little bit. Now he has to share for the first time in Hebrew history, there are two high priests at the same time. Co-high priest. And it's going to remain this way from the beginning of David's reign all the way to Solomon's reign. David reigned for 40 years. So 40 years they had to put up with each other. 40 years they had to work together. 40 years to allow that root of bitterness to grow more and more and more and more. Now again, Abathar was not necessarily a bad guy. We see a third thing. His king was informed during rebellion. His king was informed during rebellion. Notice with me the book of 2, king, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. Now, in 2 Samuel, David's son Absalom sets up a rebellion. And he takes over and David has to flee once again from Jerusalem until he could regather and set things up. So when David leaves, everyone who's loyal to him comes with him. He comes with mighty men. He comes with advisors. He comes with counselors. And he also comes with Zadok and Abathar. Abathar and Zadok say, hey, we're the high priest. We're coming with you. And they actually bring out the Ark of the Covenant and say, we're not leaving it with Absalom. Absalom can't be trusted with this. Well, when David says, listen, that needs to go back to Jerusalem. That's where God wants it. I don't need the Ark of the Covenant to have God's presence. 
So you go back and you remain high priest. You continue to observe because people are still going to need to worship the Lord. They're still going to need to carry on. You need to be there. All right. Just watch your backs, but go there. Okay. And so they go back. As they go back, notice if you don't mind, let's kind of pick up the story. Notice in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 24. And lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And they set down the Ark, and Abathar went up until all the people had been done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, carry back the Ark of God into the city. And if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again. Show me both of it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I, and let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. And the king said also to Zadok the priest, Are not thou also a seer? Return unto the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahazim thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abathar. So now we're introduced to the two sons, Abathar's son Jonathan, and Zadok's son Ahimeaz. Verse 28, and see, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there came word from you to certify me. And Zadok, therefore, and Abathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. So what happens is that they um, follow after David. David sends them back and tells them to do this. Now, Zadok and Abathar now become spies for David. They become David's eyes in the city. And their two sons, Jonathan and Abahaz, are going to do very dangerous work. They're going to go from Jerusalem and carry messages from Abathar and Zadok and carry it to David. In fact, the Bible is going to list in 2 Samuel some of the adventures where some of Absalom's men are hunting them. And they have to be hidden inside of a pit and all these other things trying to relay messages to David. And by the way, that's pretty brave things to do in the middle of war and to be able to trust these two young men to deliver messages. And Zadok and Abathar are still in the inner mix and still and part of the inner circle and getting information and passing it on down. This is a big deal. And once again, we see Abathar, who is working side by side with Zadok. They're putting both of their sons' lives on the line with loyalty to David. Abathar is a good guy. He's doing what's right. He's trying to go. There's a lot of good things about him. But then, but then, his choice leads to removal. We now come to 1 Kings in chapter number 1. So as David now passes off the scene and a new king needs to be taken, we see that Abathar has now joined Adonijah to become king. He's part of those co-conspirators. Notice with me, we're looking at a couple passages starting at 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1 and notice with me in verse 6. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 6. And his father had not displeased him at any time, speaking about Adonijah and his father David. And his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, Why hast thou done so? And he was also a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. And he... Adonijah conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, who is, by the way, David's general, and with Abathar, the priest. So here's the high priest. And they, following Adonijah, helped, <coughs> helped him. Excuse me. Good. So Abathar 
by the way, because he was high priest, knew of David's oath to make Solomon king. Well, if he knew that, why is he now supporting Adonijah? Well, there's a couple reasons. First of all, he knew the inner circle of Solomon was Nathan, Benaiah, and Zadok. His rival is on Solomon's side. Abathar knew that he and his son would continue to be subservient to Zadok if he threw in with Solomon. So if we support Solomon, my son is going to be co-high priest or however it's going to work out. That definitely Zadok and his son are going to take primary. And so if we throw in with Adonijah, guess what? We may get our rollback. We get to be the only high priest. Second of all, it was traditionally the eldest son who would succeed the king. So Adonijah was second in line. So here, Abathar can just simply say, listen, you know what? Solomon, he's not next. Adonijah's next. I am supporting the rightful ruler. He could justify himself. Which brings us to the third thing. Abathar would definitely know the shameful circumstances which Solomon was conceived. The sin with Bathsheba. And so this is his way of being spiritual. By making a stand and I'm not putting my support on something I can't agree with. I'm sorry I can't agree with how Solomon was came. I don't agree with the union between uh, David and Bathsheba. And so I'm going to throw in with Adonijah because I want to make a stand. I can't support Solomon because I can't support adultery. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty righteous and religious, but he's wrong. You see, he's using it to justify his actions. By the way, don't allow some rhetoric like that to justify your bad attitude towards someone. We got to be careful with that. And that's exactly what Adonijah can do. Lastly, the last reason why would Adonijah be supported by Abathar? The crew that supported Adonijah was the Judean crew. This was the crew who were supporters of David when David <coughs> was at the very beginning. Bef- when they were still running from Saul, guess who was with them? Abathar, uh, Joab. This whole crew that's supporting uh, Solomon has been with David since before he was king. They were with David during the time of Absalom's rebellion. They had been with David all the time. And so they had just stuck together as a little pact and said, you know what? We're just going to stay together. This would include David's uh, chief general, Joab. Joab, if Solomon's in charge, Joab's losing his job. If Solomon's in charge, Abathar's losing his job. If Solomon's in charge, this guy's losing his job. So basically, you're getting all the people who know they're going to be replaced, who have all joined together in order to keep their jobs, in order to not retire. I mean, think about this. They've been with David for 40 plus years, some of them 50 years. Retirement age should be somewhere in consideration, but they don't want to let go. Nope, nope, nope. We don't want to lose our jobs. And so we're going to support Adonijah so we could stay in charge. So we could still have this. He was thinking about that if I support Adonijah, Adonijah will make me the sole high priest. And we can get rid of this Zadok business. You can see where that bitterness is starting to go in. And he's seeing a way for him to get ahead. 
Now, of course, this is going to be disastrous because Adonijah is going to be found out. Remember, it was Adonijah, or sorry, it was Abathar's own son, Jonathan, who came in and broke the news. Hey, guys, do you hear this? Solomon's king. Isn't this great? That was Abathar's son who came in there. It's all excited. He was all thrilled. And everybody scattered like cockroaches because they didn't want to get caught. Well, they did get caught. And now Solomon's taking care of business. Solomon very clearly tells, uh, in fact, turn with me to the book to 1 Kings chapter 2 where we had started from. 1 Kings chapter 2 and notice with me verse 26. So now Solomon is firmly king. He's established and now he's cleaning house. He has to do something with this Abathar problem. Abathar probably right now, the bitterness has really gotten a hold of him. It's probably got the place where he's unusable. So notice with me in verse 26. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 26. And unto Abathar the priest the king, said the king, Get thee to Ananoth, unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death. But I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all uh, wherein my father was afflicted. So now look at this. Solomon was very kind here. Abathar had supported a coup. And Solomon says, listen, you and I know you're worthy of death. I, I could take you off the map now. I'm going to let you retire. Go home, go to your own fields, retire. Why? Because listen, I know that you were with David. I knew what you went through. I know your parents were murdered. I understood that David, you suffered a lot. I understood that even when David was going through rebellion, you supported him. I'm taking all that into account. I'm not killing you. you. You're worthy of it because of what you did, but go retire. Go take care of. You're, don't worry about being high priest. You're, you're fired from that, but go retire. Again, they, he's taking all of that into account. But notice verse 27. So Solomon thrust out Abathar from being priest unto the Lord. Why? That he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Which now brings us to the last thing. His decision was known by God. His decision was known by God. With this turn back to me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 2. Even before David is born, God has already said something about this. In 1 Samuel in chapter number 2. We have a high priest by the name of Eli. And Eli was um, not a good father. Eli worshipped his kids more than honored God. Notice with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And notice as God picks it up in verse 27. 1, Kings chapter, 1, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him 
out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me. And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in thy habitation, notice this, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat while the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Now, what's going on? Well, what happened is Eli being the high priest, he never disciplined his kids. So when his kids start misbehaving in front of everyone, in fact, they start bullying people. When people would go to offer things uh, as a sacrifice at Jerusalem, they, the, uh, the, pre, the kids, Eli's kids were like, hey, you know what? We want that piece. No, 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 not that piece. We want that piece. No, 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 you can't do that. And they started bullying. They started overcharging. They made it miserable for people to go to the house of the Lord. And God tried to tell Eli a couple times, do something about the boys, discipline them, spank them, do something. You're in charge. And Eli refused. He would fuss at him. You guys don't do that no more. But let me tell you, words are cheap and it's not discipline just to say words at them. And finally, God has enough and he sends a preacher by a man of God to come and yell at him and say, listen, because of this, you are worshiping your sons more than me. You chose who you're going to honor. You chose who you're going to obey. You choose who's number one in your life. So because of that, verse number 30, wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, be it far from me for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Notice that word despise. Recently, I did a study on the emotions of the Bible, and this word despise comes up quite a bit when it deals with the idea of disobeying God's word. That before you could disobey God's word, you first have to despise it. Before you disobey God, you first have to despise him. There's an emotion that's involved with all disobedience. And so you had to choose, do I honor God or do I despise God? You say that's too simple. Yeah, we make things complicated. You either worship God or you despise God. And to disobey God, you have to despise God. Say, God, you are not God over me right now. I'm doing whatever I want. That's pretty hard, but that's how God sees it. You choose who's going to be God in your life. And God says, because you despise me, I, ye shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, and there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in thy habitation and all the wealth which God had given Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thy house forever. And the man of thine whom I will not cut off from mine altar to consume thine eyes and to grieve thy heart and the increase of thy house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that thou shall come upon thy sons, Hopni and Phinehas. One day they shall both die of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that will do according to that which is in mine heart 
in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Now, this is a dual prophecy that now comes up. The first part is where Zadok now becomes the high priest. Just like God said, I'm going to cut off this priesthood. And guess what? Soon enough that your descendants are no longer going to be high priest. I'm giving it to a different line. And that's going to go through Zadok. And Zadok and his line are now going to be the high priest uh, withstanding. We know that's the uh, closest immediate fulfillment. Is that Abathar, who is a descendant of Eli, is going to be disqualified. And by the way... God knew that was going to happen. And he's saying, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have a descendant that's going to come up pretty soon who's going to disqualify himself. I'm just not going to cut you off just to cut you off. You guys are going to disqualify yourselves and you're done. That's your own choice, your own mistake. But that's what's going to happen just like God had told Eli. Now, the more futuristic, more fulfilled uh, completion of that prophecy in verse 35 is the high priest of the Lord Jesus Christ. One last passage, if you don't mind, the book of Hebrews chapter 7. The book of Hebrews chapter 7. You guys have been very patient and we appreciate it as we're doing a character study, doing a deep dive in someone's life. But this becomes very important as we start talking about a high priest. That here we had... Abathar, who was high priest, who is now kicked out from being high priest because he disqualified himself. Even after a long service, he's now old. He should be retiring, but instead he tries to overthrow, tries to do things his own way. He gets bitterness. He disqualifies himself. But I'm so thankful that we have a high priest that can never disqualify himself. Notice with me the book of Hebrews chapter 7, and notice with me in verse number 22. Hebrews 7, 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Verse 23, the reason why we have so many high priests is because they die. You can only carry on for so long. You can't be high priest after you're dead. But this man, speaking of Jesus, because he continueth forever, have an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that cometh to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to maketh intercession for them. For such a high priest become us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up a sacrifice first for our own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have an infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ who is our high priest and because he is alive forevermore he is perfect, he never changes his priesthood never changes Jesus will never grow old Jesus will never run out of gas. He'll never get tired. He'll never need a nap. He'll never need a vacation. He'll never need to be replaced. He'll never change. He'll never need to retire. We have an unchanging high priest. And because of that, he can save us to the uttermost for anyone and everyone. With a different change of, of 
of leadership, with that changes also comes changes of how things are done. Well, Jesus said, you can always come up to me. And because I'm never going to retire, grow old, never going to forget, you can always come up to me. And that promises for everyone. That's a blessing. I'm glad that I don't have to say, well, I want to get saved and and the new person after Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. That's how we used to do it. We're not doing it this way anymore. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. This promise is for me anywhere, everywhere. That means I can also talk to God at any time and he'll never run out of gas. He'll never get senile, never need hearing aids, never need implants. That he is a wonderful God who can forever take that role. He'll never sin. He'll never change. He'll never need replacing. He'll never disqualify himself because he's an unchangeable high priest who is perfect forever. I'm thankful that we don't have to deal with an Abathar. Now remember, Abathar was good for many, many years. But that bitterness started to work in his heart, started to build up until finally he saw an opportunity to get ahead of his enemy and he took it and he disqualified himself. Jesus will never be in danger of that. I'm so thankful that even though here's a man that started off right and he failed, Jesus never has to do that. He is always perfect. That is the encouragement that we have. That you can't trust men, but you can trust in God who will never fail. You know, sometimes people kind of forget about how perfect God is. We look at the failures of men and we're surrounded by it all the time. Maybe even the failures of ourselves. But the good news is, is God, God never changes. God never fails. We can always depend upon him. Sometimes we just need that encouragement of that stability that he'll never change. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.